What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, folks. Uh, it's just me, Jeremy, um, chiming in here to let you know that um, we had a little a little tropical storm over here in Halifax. A little it was supposed to be a hurricane, Mister Teddy, um, but it turned out to just uh, kind of dissipate into a, a bit of a, a nasty storm. It's quite nice, actually. I really, I really love extreme weather. And there's always something quite calming about it for myself. And I spent a little bit of time last night while the storm was here. It, there was like a calm within the storm and sat outside and the lighting was beautiful and the sound of the wind going through the trees was all quite nice. Anyway, um, uh, the reason it's just me right now is because that storm kind of put a bit of a, a damper on Bridie and I's plans to uh, to record our our um, foreplay segment for you. We were supposed to do it yesterday. Bridie's on PEI, as all of you, most most of you know. Um, 
there were anyway, whatever. It doesn't. There was weather shit. We couldn't. We couldn't make it happen. Uh, she couldn't get away from the the cottage to find a place to record. So, so it's uh, it's just me to chime in and let you know that <coughs> this week uh, there will be no foreplay. It'll just be me throwing you right into the deep end into our conversation with uh, Devin Black. And um, Devin sat down to talk to us about uh, uh, what we all need and should know and and should care about accessible contraception um, for people with or without a uterus. And um, and Devin, you know, she dives into her her connection to the cause through the lens of gender equality. Um, that so. I think this was a really great episode. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, the night before we went to record this episode, and we were recording quite early, I, I had some THC oil um, next to my bedside. And I was like, hmm, I'm not getting the, I'm not getting the quality sleep that, I, that I've been hoping to get over the last little while. I'm going to take some of this uh, weed oil to help myself go to sleep. And uh, I don't partake in THC very often. I'm not a big fan really. But I do find every once in a while, little, just a little bit of it, you know, like um, <clears throat> a half a dauber of like 10 milligrams. So like, you know, point like five, five milligram dosage of, of like some, you know, indica oil at night is a nice way to go to sleep. Uh, so I took my dauber and I put it in there and I was trying to pull it out into the, into the, the syringe but there wasn't enough oil in the bottle to actually to, for the for the tip of the surround syringe t- to to suck it up. So I was thinking, oh, well then there can't be that much in there. And I looked in the bottle and I kind of was like eyeing it up, and uh, and thought to myself, yeah, that looks like that maybe looks like a full dauber's worth. That will be fine. <clears throat> and so I poured all the oil that was left in the bottle into my mouth, and I immediately had this feeling of hmm that feels like a lot of oil in my mouth, like a lot more than I'm used to. And I should in that moment have listened to that gut feeling and spit a little bit out. But instead I went, ah, what can go wrong? And so I swallowed it. Well, needless to say, I didn't get much sleep. Uh, I was high as a kite. I kind of forgot where I was. Um, it was, it was not a pleasant experience. And then when I finally did get to sleep and then woke up, realized that I was still fully, fully high and, uh, came into this recording and didn't want to say, didn't want to say anything to anyone because I was fucking, you know, paranoid as shit. And, uh, I think I, I, I really, I think I tried to keep my mouth shut as much as I could, which obviously, um, for those of you who know me is kind of hard to do. Anyway, I told Bridie later and she, she said she didn't realize, didn't notice and thought I was fine. But, um, but I don't remember a single thing from, from this conversation. So when you sit down to listen to this right now, I'm actually going to be listening along with you. And, uh, I look forward, I, I look forward just as much as you do to learning all about the importance of access to contraception from our guest, Devin Black, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I could have um, in the moment. I'm sure I, 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 
I don't know. I, I think I was enjoying it. Um, I'm about to find out, I guess. Uh, and and if I if I if I'm coming off as really dumb and really weird in this conversation, um, now you know why. Okay, folks, I love all of you um, and can't wait to be back with you next week with Bridie for another uh, little foreplay session. We've had some really really wonderful brain boners come in. If you have questions or comments that you want to hear read on the show, uh, send us an email. Turn me on podcast at gmail.com. We we try to get to every single one of them and we love hearing from you. And um, big shout out to our lovely patrons. We love you. And uh, hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. Uh, well, I actually don't know. I don't know what what it is we're diving into today. I don't. I, I, I don't know much of anything ever, really. Um, but but I do know when I looked at our calendar, it was like because Brad, you, you know, you're slotting the stuff into my calendar, so I know where to show up, when to show up. And it just said TMO recording, Devin Black, contraception in brackets. So I'm guessing <laughs> we're going to be talking about. Uh, are we going to be talking about preventing it? Contraception is, is, um, is like, that's another word for like prophylactic, right? Or like, uh, uh, or am I totally off on that? Contraception is like not getting pregnant. Hold on. Jesus Christ, Jeremy. Wow. Wow. Well, I'll just while you're Googling it, like what's contraception while you're Googling what contraception is. Uh, it's interesting because, um, we 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 find guests for the show in various uh, yes. different ways. Sometimes people write in. Sometimes we reach out. And with you, Devin, it, I got an email, you know, a, a handful of weeks ago about um, a campaign in British Columbia, which is in Canada, as we have listeners from all over the place, um, uh, about ac- helping uh, about access to contraception. And so, you know, when I reached back out in response to that. I it's because I I think um one of the most intriguing things that I've come to realize through the experience of doing this podcast is this phrase called barriers to access which I just never even like existed in my psyche before and now um when I think about barriers to access in terms of um of sexual education uh, um and and information just in general and the overall role in that knowledge and education plays in for the greater good of the whole world with regards, especially to our sexual health and, um, and so on. Um, it's just something I just feel like I barely scratched the surface of. And that's why I know that a lot of the listeners who tune into us are, are probably, you know, a mixed familiarity with that. So that's how we ended up here. And uh, and now, Jeremy, did you did you find out what contraception is? Yeah, it's birth control. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> All right. So um, maybe Devin, we could start by you telling us a little bit about uh, your involvement with this, that the campaign that was the original reason that we got connected in the first place. Sure. 
so I am one of the co-founders of the Access BC campaign, which is a campaign that's advocating for the BC government to provide free and universal coverage for prescription contraception. Basically, we want the government to pay for all forms of prescription contraception so that people don't mm. have to pay out of pocket for that. Um, which is pretty basic, but unfortunately is still a thing that our government is not doing, even though there's plenty of countries all over the world that have implemented programs like this. And it turns out that they're, they're great policy. They have good health outcomes and they save a ton of money. So, <laughs> so what, are, what are some other countries that are doing it outside of like, so Canada's not. No, Canada, unfortunately, is not one of them, although Ontario does provide partial coverage of some prescription contraception up until the age of 25. Um, but some of the countries that are doing this uh, are the UK, France, Spain, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Netherlands, and I think Italy and Germany. So those are all countries that are, are subsidizing contraception, either in full or in part already. And when you say prescription uh, contraception, it's like, is there something else besides the pill that we don't, that we're not thinking of? Yeah, there's a ton actually. So the pill is um, like the basic thing that everybody kind of thinks about. Um, but there's a bunch of different types of birth control pills. So usually what ends up getting covered by like Fair Pharmacare is the program that we've got in BC that helps low income people access contraception. But that only covers some types of the pill. It doesn't cover newer, low-dose forms of the pill. Um, some programs cover some IUDs, which are a great form of long-acting reversible contraception, but usually it'll only cover hormonal IUDs. Um, I personally have to use a copper IUD because I don't tolerate hormones very well, and that wouldn't be covered under any of the plans in Canada that we've been able to find that can help people with accessing contraception. And then there's stuff like the Everpatch, which is great for people who can't take a pill every day, um, or the Nuva Ring that also has a really low dose of hormones. Um, and because those are newer or less traditional forms of contraception, those are also often not covered by provincial plans. How old are these, um, I guess, like, so if some older ones are covered, but the newer ones are not, is that just a matter of like policy not being able to keep up with the evolution of medicine? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I couldn't say what's behind every single decision, but um, certainly that's likely part of it. And unfortunately, when it comes to reproductive health care, a lot of times government drags because people don't like to talk about sex. It's, isn't that yeah. such a bizarre thing? Like, I, I just, I'm still, I know I live in a fucking ep- echo chamber, but like, it's just, it just boggles my mind sometimes to think that were you know we literally just had a conversation about how like OnlyFans is like a household name you know there's like like we've like it's 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 sex is everywhere we look yet we can't properly wrap our heads around it like it's I just I can't I can't wrap my head around that well I would imagine that you know like like the abstinence only sex education is it really closely linked with um with uh that you know like we can't celebrate it 
um, because we don't want people having it. We want people to only have it to procreate. And since we only want people to have sex to procreate, there's really no reason why we should help people pay for contraception because, uh, because if they just don't do it, that's contraception enough. Ta-da. All done here. Moving on. But, um, is that accurate or is that just like, I'm not super educated on this particular issue either, but that would be, you know, that would be the thing that I would stand on my soapbox and say without knowing really the people who are closest mm. to the matter or ac- actually agree with that or, oh, hey, Bridie, things are way more nuanced than that. And, um, but, you know, well, my I think argument is still effective. <laughs> I think there's a lot of reasons that um, it's, it's not a, a policy that's been dealt with as well as we'd like it to be. One of them is definitely just just as much as that, right? Like people have a lot of cultural hangups around sex um, and reproductive health. They don't like to talk about it. They feel like it's something that shouldn't be discussed in polite company. Um, but there's also a gender component to it that's really significant. Mm. So a lot of the, when we're talking about prescription contraception, that's almost exclusively contraception for people with uteruses because there hasn't been as much time or investment put into contraception options for people with penises um, for whatever reason. And so the result is that when you look at contraception options for people with penises, you've got condoms and you've got vasectomies. Condoms are available at pretty much every health clinic for free. So, yeah. you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you need a condom, you're good. And then vasectomies are covered by provincial health plans because they're a medical procedure. So mm. if you want a vasectomy, you can go and you can expect that in, in BC, the medical services plan will pay for that for you. Um, whereas for people with uteruses, for the most part, it's these prescription options, which are not covered by government programs, which are not paid for. Um, and so if you don't have your own health insurance, like maybe you get that through work and that's great. Maybe you get that through school. Maybe you get it through your parents. But if you're not lucky enough to have that, then you're just paying for it out of pocket. And so mm. you've got people with uteruses in this terrible catch-22 where either you're putting out you know, potentially hundreds of dollars um, or more than that over the course of a lifetime in order to prevent pregnancy, or you're probably going to be carrying the costs of dealing with an unplanned pregnancy if mm. you can't access that contraception. Yeah, wow. That's just... Unbelievable. I, I was just thinking about how some of the campaigns I've seen with regards to like menstrual products as well are like, let's provide these things for free as well. And let's talk about um, having it, menstrual leave for, for people at work and, and so on. So how closely are all of these things connected in your line of work? Like when can you go in and, and talk to people about the importance of having contraception covered uh, by by the country, by the government, um, in with the, I guess, I guess are all of these are all of these components a part of the same conversation, or can you stay pretty clearly in your lane of 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 access to contraception without getting into the greater problems with with access to. I don't know things that that people with vaginas and and uteruses have that other people don't have to deal with. I mean, we usually stay pretty focused just because, again, when people are already uncomfortable talking about sex, mm. uh, bringing in you know a lot of of new information into the discussion can throw people for a little bit of a loop. 
But there's definitely a connection, especially in terms of the gender equality part of things. Like, and people really seem to get that. Um, for instance, we actually just uh, were appearing at a, a municipal council meeting in Squamish, which is a, a rural municipality in BC, um, and asking for them to pass a motion in support of our campaign, which which they did do, which was great. Um, but then on on their own initiative, um, another city council member. Uh, passed a motion asking for them to look at what the budget cost would be to cover menstrual products in municipal buildings. So I think there's a, you know, un, among people who are looking at these issues seriously and trying to do something mm-hmm. about them, I think there's a lot of understanding that they're pretty interrelated and that the barriers to access, especially when it comes to cost, are like pretty obviously gendered. Mm. Can we talk about other barriers to access other than other than cost, are there, are there some that we need to think about and consider? Yeah, there's a ton. Uh, so one of the things that's like particularly relevant right now in our, our unprecedented COVID times <laughs> um, is being able to just get out and access a doctor or a pharmacy in order to get a prescription. Mm. So we've got some medical volunteers um who are, are helping us with our campaign. And I say medical volunteers, like they work in medicine and then they volunteer with us. They're not doing medical volunteering with us. Um, but they have told us that in their practice, they've seen like just anecdotally through conversations with patients that people are having a harder time getting access to birth control because it's harder to get in to see a doctor and it's harder to get into a pharmacy in order to get prescriptions filled. Mm. Uh, Luckily, you know, as things are starting to open up in some places, that's becoming less of a challenge. But, you know, there are still a lot of people who, for instance, live in rural areas um, where taking a trip to see a doctor and then get a prescription filled is like pretty arduous. Um, There's also people who are living in like family circumstances that are unsafe. So if they're younger and they have parents who are really opposed to uh, contraception access, then that can be an issue, especially if they're getting their prescriptions covered under their parents' um, health insurance plan. Like if they can't afford it out of pocket and they can't safely get it under their parents' insurance, then they're in a real tough spot. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people often don't think about um, is what's called reproductive coercion. And this is a type of uh, relationship violence. So if you're dealing with violence or abuse in an intimate partner situation, a lot of times that comes with reproductive coercion where, um, you know, the abusive partner might try to control their partner's access to contraception as like one of the many ways that they're trying to exert control in the relationship. So, Mm. you know, for people who, you know, maybe are trying to get access under whatever plan that they can, even if like, even in those circumstances, if you've got help through a provincial plan, like you better hope that the IUD you need is covered or, Mm. you know, a a hormone injection or another form of, um, you know, pretty easy to hide contraception. Because if you're taking a pill every day and your partner knows where those are, like that can be a real problem for people who are dealing with reproductive coercion. Mm. Are, are we like as a country like are we you know over the last like 10 years like are we are we on the right track are we on the right path like are, are, is is change happening but just happening really slowly you know because there are these other countries that like seem to be seem to have it sort of figured out to some degree like are we 
does it look like Canada's going or at least aiming towards that path or are we, are we still just like completely missing the mark? Um, well, there's been some positive um, kind of indicators, I guess. So Ontario's change where they are now covering most, I'm going to say most forms of prescription contraception for people under age 25 is mm. a pretty big deal. Like that's great. And that's a relatively yeah. recent development that came into effect a few years ago. Um, and that's great news. And we would love to see other provinces follow that lead and maybe even do something more expansive. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of times um, contraception and, and reproductive health kind of gets subsumed into larger conversations about, you know, like pharmacare for everyone, which Access BC is totally supportive of. Um, but in the interim, this is one of those types of health care that most people are going to need to rely on at some point in their lives. Mm. Um, whether, you know, you need it yourself or your partner needs you to have it because, um, you know, you're trying to do this as a team. Um, and so it, it's, you know, something that's got a real impact for a lot of people and also has this incredible gendered component that is mm. not true of most other forms of healthcare, um, that makes it a really significant equality issue. Yeah, no doubt. It's so funny that I never even really thought about the the IUD as like when I asked you about prescription contraception because I've I've had one and I I guess I never even really I, I I was in school and I think I did have health insurance through my school when I got that I, I the whole thing's really a blur I think I blocked it out honestly, um, but but holy smokes that's kind of a that's kind of a big eye opener for me um, did did you did you get into this line of work? It, it hasn't been, it's not recent for, for you. I remember when we were chatting a couple of days ago, Devin, you said something about having been involved in, I want to say sex education or sex, sex, sexuality in general has been your sort of your home base on, in your career and your study for a, a while. Yeah. So my, my first like real office job was working with the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada in their international women's health program. Um, so I worked with them. I started with them as like a co-op term in my undergrad and then stayed on part time for a few months after that. And I had kind of been interested in sexual and reproductive health before then. And working there was like a real eye opener for me in terms of really understanding barriers to access and the types of like huge impacts that that has on people's lives, on their ability to um, really live the kind of life that they want to live. Like if you, you know, have to face the consequences of an unplanned pregnancy uh, and you don't have family support or you don't have the support of a partner um, and you're living in already, you know, kind of precarious conditions, it's really easy for that to be, you know, a thing that really adds like a huge significant challenge for you. Mm. Um, if you can't, if you can't time it in the way that you want. So that was a really big issue for me. And that kind of continued to be an interest. Um, and then like three or four years ago, uh, my buddy Teal, who's my other co-founder on this campaign had just come back from the UK with his partner. Um, and in the UK, that's one of the countries that does have um, quite highly subsidized access to contraception. So when they got back to Canada and they were looking at trying to get contraception coverage, 
they realize that it's it's enormously expensive if you don't have health insurance in Canada. Like an IUD can cost up to three hundred and eighty dollars out of pocket, which, you know, for some of us isn't isn't impossible to cover, but for a lot of people mm-hmm. that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even birth control pills are like twenty dollars a month. And if you're really struggling to make ends meet, like that might seem like the thing that you have to cut if it's a question of, you know, mm-hmm. being able to buy groceries. So um, we kind of sat down and, and talked about it and wondered if there was something that we could do. And we were like, you know, let's just, we're, we're like pretty loud people. We like to talk. Let's just, let's, let's start trying to like organize some people to kind of yell at our MLAs about this. And that's kind of where it started. So we've been doing letter writing campaigns and we've been, um, you know, meeting with politicians in order to try to convince them of this sort of stuff. We've made presentations to budget committee in BC. Um, and like, I, I'm crossing my fingers. I really, I, I think we're making inroads, um, but politics is such a, um, again, a precarious business that it's kind of hard to know um, whether you're getting real traction. Yeah. I, they, I was kind of wondering earlier, like it, when I was asking about like which countries are, are doing it better and like, are, do, does it look like we're going the right path? One of the things that kind of popped up in my mind was like, how, how much of this is a, is a political issue, you know, like, are there, is there like, is a lot of the, a lot of the hurdles we face based on, on, on the politicalization of, of contraception and, and like, you know, like people having control over their own body. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like how much, how much does, how much does politics play a role in, in this? Like, is there, is there a party out there that's like, we, we're, we're over here. Like we will do it. Contraception party. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're the contraception folks. Well, Um, it's, you know, it's funny that you should say that because the BC NDP in their uh, last policy convention did actually pass a motion saying that they wanted to include uh, prescription contraception coverage as part of their platform, which is something that we were advocating for at that convention. And, and so we were really excited about that especially since the NDP uh, is now in government in British Columbia and they've been in government for a few years. Um, But unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, that hasn't made it to the the legislating table yet. So we've, we've been kind of trying to remind the current BC government that this is in fact part of their policy platform. It's a, it's a commitment that their membership asked for. Um, But it's, it's always challenging to try to make inroads in legislating because there's always so many priorities, right? And it's hard for me to say that, you know, there aren't other things that are important, right? Like I, I know one of the concerns for government right now is finding ways to cover costs given the incredible increase in healthcare expenses this year, right? And we're looking, we're, mm. we're asking for them to put like a not insignificant amount of money into covering contraception coverage as, as part of their healthcare budget, but one of the things that a lot of the research shows um, and that's been borne out in a lot of these jurisdictions that have implemented contraception coverage is that it saves a ton of money. So Options yeah. for Sexual Health, which is a, an organization in BC, did a study about 10 years ago now, kind of looking at what the cost would be to implement a program like this in British Columbia. And they determined that, I mean, the cost is not insignificant, like it would definitely be a few few million dollars. Sure. Um, but it would save 95 million right. just in direct health cost expenses. And that's, that's about twice as much as the program would cost to implement. 
Um, so just in terms of direct medical expenses, this would be a, a good cost-saving mechanism for your budget. Um, but even outside that, they looked at kind of like broader social expenditures, and they found that for every dollar that was spent on contraception coverage, that saves about $90 in other social spending. So there's like a huge impact Whoa. on budgets that really starts with preventative health care. Like if you're able to get people the access to care that they need right mm. off the bat, then that saves a ton of money in terms of like direct medical costs because contraception is a lot less expensive than abortion. Um, or for that matter, you know, pregnancy, like pregnancy is not oh. an inexpensive medical procedure. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, the, the social costs after that, right? Like if you're able to plan for, for a pregnancy that you want to have, then you're able to start putting in place like some financial planning and some community supports and the kinds of things that you need to like really make sure that you're going to get like a good head start as a parent and make sure that your child is going to have a good head start as a kid. If it happens by accident, then like it's a lot harder to do that because you just have less time to plan for it. So a lot of times government steps in, but those costs are higher. So if you just let people plan their own <laughs> timelines, then a lot of this stuff becomes much less expensive and a lot easier for people to manage in their own lives. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And that's the thing that blows my mind. It's like, I, I feel like we're... You know, we the, the way that our our government works, the way our society works, is like money is everything, and if there's a way to save it, that's the way to go. But it it's clearly it's like I don't know we we can't get over this like hump of I mean it's, and it's not you know it, it's not just it it's not that just this that makes me think about that, but it's also like like medications for rare diseases, you know, like things that th- medications that are very expensive. Yet once you implement that into the community that needs it you're going to see unbelievably amounts like unbelievably high amounts of, of money that's being saved just on the healthcare system itself. 
So it's, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm just like sitting here going, why, why haven't we figured this out yet? People, it, come on. Is it because we compartmentalize things? Because it seems to me like you just mentioned so many so many areas of, of our society and, and our lives and, you know, even the health of the planet in general that would that could be connected to the issue that you campaign for by any six degrees of separation, really, like anything people want to talk about could be <clears throat> narrowed down to or at least moved toward to point at, you know, um, better resources for people and their reproductive health. Education, like step like one, um, yeah, it just it. But I guess I guess you this true is true can be said for same can be said for for anything anybody really wants to argue for. You could six degree it of separation to any cause. But um, oh, I had a question there I wanted to ask, and I just totally slipped my mind. Um, well, something that I've been reading about a little bit lately is is um, fertility awareness method. So like checking cervical mm. flu, uh, mucus and the position of the cervix and taking a temperature every day and charting this. And like, you know, it seems like this information is here. It's not that complicated, you know, some, des- some, some self-discipline and, you know, uh, enough money to, to buy a thermometer. Um, but as opposed to that, what was it about, what was it about this campaign that pulled you because it seems so specific to this big, broad topic. How, how do you feel called to this specifically? I think the gender equality aspect of it is huge for me. Um, In part because of, you know, the amount of time that I've spent working and volunteering and and thinking about sexual health, as you talk to people and you start to hear their stories, like it becomes really obvious the ways in which accessing contraception has just this enormous outsized impact on the choices that people are able to make on um, their ability to plan their own lives. And even on the, you know, the, the ways that they have, intimate relationships, right? Because if you're constantly worried about whether or not you're going to get pregnant every time you're looking to to have sex with someone, like that that can really impact the way that people interact with their partners, interact with um you know, their ability to kind of express themselves sexually and it really mm-hmm. uh you know, if you don't have that that safety net that is good contraception access, then engaging in, you know, this, this type of human expression that, that should be uh, a place of, of joy and connection ends up being a place of fear. And that's just so horrible. Um, and, and, you know, has such a, a negative impact on the way that people really like try to engage with, with the people in their lives. And it's so, it's so frustrating for me to see that when there's this, this easy solution, right? The easy solution is just make sure that people have access to contraception. And it has all of these amazing knock on effects that, you know, there's, there's been some incredible studies about how access to contraception has like massively increased 
um, women's access to job markets and women's access to education and right. women's access to like financial well-being um, just because of this like one like little medication one I mean there's more than one but you know this this one form of, of health care that unfortunately ends up getting punted off to the side so frequently so it's yeah it's it's um it's a thing that I've been passionate about for a long time. And I feel really lucky actually that, that Teal kind of sat me down and was like, we need to, we should like come up with a solution for this, right? Like this is a problem that could be fixed. Right. And do you feel like it's, uh, it's, it's more or less difficult to um, explain that to uh, people without uteruses? Um, I will say that, the pushback that we've gotten on this campaign has been more from people who don't have uteruses on the whole. Um, I think, I think people who have the capacity to become pregnant um, understand pretty intimately and in a pretty visceral way mm. um, what having access to this kind of healthcare can do for them and their communities. Um, but unfortunately, like the way that we talk about contraception, we often make it, like a, a woman's problem. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of times that ends up teaching people without uteruses that they don't need to be as responsible. They don't need to, to think as much about um, contraception mm. and, and how that impacts a relationship, which is a real bummer um, because I think that really kind of impedes, um, you know, conversations that people hopefully are having with our partners about, you know, ways to manage contraception and um, how to plan for pregnancy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a real problem in terms of how we, we teach people to engage with their own sexual health. I was really moved by something that happened a couple of years ago and I, or maybe it was less than that. And we was talking about abortion access and there was like a call to, uh, uh, to, folks with with um with penises or without uteruses to basically join the movement because by sharing their stories of how access to abortion enabled them to live to get education and them to have the careers that they wanted and i thought that was really powerful i don't know if anything ever came of that but it seems like it seems like that definitely needs to be a part of the conversation if we want to enroll all people in understanding like, well, everyone's responsibility when, when it comes to unwanted pregnancies and unplanned pregnancies and, and so on. So, um, I don't know if that's, if there, there's anything in that example that can be used to help enroll, enroll those folks with, with, uh, considering the benefit, you know, that they've yeah. received without really having to think about it too much mm. in most cases. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, one of the great things about working on this campaign has been seeing how many, you know, enthusiastic uh, cis male volunteers we have. Like, you know, Teal is one of them and, and he was one of the people who came up with this idea to begin with. And so I, I think that there are um, changes coming in terms of how people are thinking about this. And, you know, some of the strongest supporters that we had in the, you know, the Squamish Municipal Council meeting were male councillors. So it's, it is really exciting to see the way that some of those attitudes are changing. 
Um, and I, I think that it probably bodes well for um, <laughs> better understandings of sexual and reproductive health as, as not just being um, women's health or health for people with uteruses, but, you know, something that everybody needs to en- be engaged with a little bit more broadly because it's, it's you know, sexual health is health. Mm-hmm. And if you're not engaging with that, then you're not really doing everything that you can to make sure that you're living your best life. Mm. I have a question for you. This is totally opinion. What do you? Th- what age do you think is appropriate for uh, young people to get get this kind of information about con- what contraception is available? Um, that's a good question. And that's, that's been one that's been a a hot topic in BC for the last little while, because, um, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the BC government did introduce a new, um, sex ed curriculum. And I think the key is making sure that kids are receiving information that's accurate and that's age appropriate. Like, you know, a a kindergartner isn't going to understand about contraception and it's not really relevant for them. Um, but, you know, introducing, information about, you know, only touch people if they want to be touched, right? Like that's something that, mm, yeah. that kindergartners can understand pretty easily. Like if you can understand sharing, you can understand people saying no. Um, and, you know, evolving that as kids grow older so that you've got information that's going to, you know, meet their needs at an age level that's appropriate is I think really key. Um, you know, especially if you've got you know, un- unfortunately, right? Like there are there are kids who are more vulnerable and sometimes in dangerous situations and making sure that they've got information so that they can, you know, go to an adult if they need it is is so important. If they don't have the right words to explain what's happening, um, you know, it, it just makes it easier for bad intentioned people to get away with things. So I I'm a huge fan of sex education starting early in an age appropriate way. Mm. Yeah, me too. I sometimes I just I just dream about like having some sort of well, like like Sesame Street like television show, but that's a sex education for age appropriate for I feel <clears throat> I feel like Big Mouth kind of like was kind of doing that but on a really like on a really <laughs> um not age appropriate level. Um you know, it's like you wouldn't want to show your 7-year-old Big Mouth, but Maybe a fourteen-year-old, you'd be like, "Listen, there's some foul stuff in here." But it, I, I remember watching it, being like, "This would have been great. This is better than any sex education I ever had." You know, coming up. Yeah, <clears> and I remember asking what, what a condom was when I was in grade four, and just being told that I would I would find out when I was older. You were gonna burn in hell. You know, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and I just I, I wonder. Wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> if there's something to that, to like, if a child asks, mm-hmm. then give like mm, this mm-hmm. age appropriate answer, you know, right. a little handbook. Um, <laughs> Devin, you, so, you know, you and Teal and, and your, your team of, of volunteers that you've put together to, to kind of, you know, really back this campaign. Um, it sounds like you're doing work to, to make shit happen. And, and every time I hear someone who is in your, in your shoes, who is really like behind a cause and and has like these these systems in place to to try to cultivate that change? I I always sometimes feel um, like yeah, but what can I do? You know, like what what someone who isn't attached to this campaign by 
um, you know, in, in any way, like, is there anything that for our listeners out there, if there's someone listening to this going, fuck yeah, I never thought about this. And I want to, I want to put my foot down. I want to stand up. I want to like, I want to see some change. Um, what can those people do? What can we do to like help, help push this issue more forward and into the, into the eyes of the people who, you know, need to see the change and can actually make those, those changes happen. Totally. Well, for people living in British Columbia, um, they can volunteer with our campaign, which is great. Um, one of the things that we have really been trying to do in how we've organized this campaign is we really want to give people the opportunity to kind of learn how to be activists and learn how to, um, engage with government as an interested citizen. So if you visit our website, which is accessbc.org, um, then it's really easy to, you know, send a letter to your MLA. We've got pre-written form letters, like you mm-hmm. can go ahead and send those on and, and make your voice heard. Um, or you can sign up with us to volunteer within British Columbia. So that might mean um, asking your city council to make a motion in support of what we're doing. It might mean writing letters to the editor um, of your local newspaper. It might mean, you know, trying to get in touch with your, your local MLA and have a conversation with them and, and ask them to, to make some moves on this. But for people outside of British Columbia, I would say get in touch because I, and I know Teal as well, would love to talk to people who are interested in starting a campaign like this in their own jurisdictions. We've got Mm. a ton of resources um, that we can pass on and that we can, um, you know, talk to people about if they're interested in getting something like this started in their own, in their own province or anywhere else. Um, And really all you need is like a website and, a couple of people who are willing to make a fuss. Uh, that's that's literally what we started with, was we started with a website and, and Teal and I being mad. And we've now got, you know, this amazing team of volunteers who have managed to do just an incredible amount of work and really make this like a, a real topic of conversation in BC, um, in, in healthcare circles, which is so exciting to see. Mm-hmm. So if people are interested, like it's, it's doable. Like Teal and I, we did this out of pocket you know, with, yeah, a, a website and a dream and a prayer. So that's great. How long have you uh, been working on this? Uh, I think we got started in like late 2016, early 2017. So it's been a while. Um, you know, if, if people are interested, I'm not going to pretend that it's not like a, a long haul project, yeah. but it, like it's on it's on the topic of conversation now like we've had um we've had reporters asking questions unprompted of the bc minister of health about this at at um you know at press conferences we've had two years running now we've made it into the bc budget recommendations um Mm. last year it was you know the government should explore implementing prescription contraception coverage in a targeted and you know progressive manner whatever the language was and then this year it was just there should be universal prescription contraception coverage in bc Mm. so like even in that way you can kind of see progress happening over time so it yeah like there's definitely stuff that you can see as it happens um little landmarks where you see that you're making an impact and it's it's pretty great (laughs) 
congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. As as an activist, um, how how do you take? How is your self care? What's your self care? What are your self care rituals? Well, <laughs> um, I used to be working a job that was also very stressful, and um, eventually I got I got pretty burnt out, mostly as a result of, of that job, and so I. Uh, well, I, I quit and I ran away to South America for six months, um, <laughs> which is maybe not, yeah. it's maybe not feasible for everybody. Um, but I, I did, I quit my job and I went to do some work for, um, the society against sexual orientation discrimination in Guyana, which was amazing. Um, and then I came back when COVID hit and, you know, hung out with my parents in Calgary for a few months and kind of as a result over the course of a year managed to like do a pretty good hard reset. But I think, you know, making sure that I'm surrounding myself with people who are also like excited and passionate and supportive is, is really key. Um, making sure that I'm taking time for myself in like, I feel like self care can kind of sometimes get like weapon. Yeah. Like weaponized in, in, support of capitalism, right? There's this idea Ooh. that self-care is like bath bombs and scented candles and yeah. face masks and stuff you can buy. Um, when a lot of times it's like making sure that your dishes are done so that yeah. your space is a pleasant place for you to be or getting some exercise because you'll feel better afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that you're surrounded by a, a supportive community because community care is sometimes more important than self-care. So I, you know, listen, sometimes it's nice to buy a face mask, but like, it's not, it's not the same as really like doing the work to make sure that I, I have the tools that I need to, to get my work done. Right. Also, it's super easy to make face masks out of things you can find in your very own kitchen that you already bought at the grocery store. You got an yeah, extra egg? Just rub it all over yeah. your face. Coffee grinds and honey. Coffee Just grinds? Slap Oof. that on your face. I don't know what peanut butter would do, but you could, you could. Like it on eat it too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> in the bath. Um, Devin, this is uh, this has been really eye opening, really great. I'm glad we had the time to sit down and chat with you today and dive into the world of uh, contraception and the importance of um, of free prescription contraception. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we're, we'll see you know over the next couple of years like some big big change. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you know, thanks for the work that you're doing. Um, and like I said earlier, if there is anybody out there listening who who does want to, you know, hop on this bus and try to cultivate change in in their community, um, check the the show notes. We'll have links to uh, to the website and and um, yeah. I just I hope I, I've, I have a feeling that this little conversation is going to plant a few seeds out mm-hmm. across our our beautiful country. And so uh, fingers crossed that again it goes to to see some real change. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Uh, Well, thank you again for coming in and, and chatting with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Um, You know what? I'm not, I don't feel, I think I did pretty all right considering I don't, I have total amnesia. And uh, <clears throat> and was still so high that I didn't know how to how to communicate properly in my in my brain. Somehow it came out all right. I think I don't know. Maybe you noticed something that I didn't. 
Anyway, again, uh, that was our conversation with Devin Black. Lovely conversation. Uh, love when we get to talk about that that important type of stuff. Well, what am I high now? Jesus Christ, Jeremy. Um, okay. Uh, again, love you all so much. Uh, Brady and I will be back next week as we always are. And until then, we will... Uh, I don't know. What am I doing here? To follow us on Instagram and, uh, and, and send us your butts. Uh, send us emails. Turnmeonpockets at gmail.com patreon.com slash turn me on if you want to watch our four plays recorded every week every week that we are together um and uh okay stop burping into the mic chair doing a great job here wow really fuck this one up okay love you all enjoy the rest of your days and we'll see you next week that is it for this week Uh, until next week go fuck yourself yeah all right catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.